This is Recognize, a podcast about the NHL's black and biracial hockey heroes, proudly supported by eBay Canada. Ever since I was a kid, I collected hockey cards with spare change my dad gave me. As a black person, to see others like me on the ice inspired me. They were my role models and showed me hockey is a game for everyone. I've collected 100 rookie cards for NHL's black and biracial players, and I'm going to talk to all of them so you can learn their stories. Brian Johnson was born in 1960 in Montreal, Quebec. He played for the Detroit Red Wings in the 1984-85 season. He also had a long career in the Meyer Leagues through the 1980s. All right, so Brian, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. So we're going to cover a lot of territory uh, in our time with you. And uh, to start out with, um, I'm aware you had a brief NHL career with three official NHL games and a much longer minor league career over six seasons. So we'll get into all that during the podcast. Um, but I'm first going to start out by um, asking you just to take a look at this uh, card I had made up for you. And it's just a photo from my phone. <laughs> See if you can see it. Uh, oh, cool! And uh, it's in the collection. So, okay, so great. this is a photo uh, card made of you with Detroit. Would have been your your the first game you played, I believe, nineteen eighty three. Do you have some memories about this? And would have been Joe Lucerina that you can remember? Well, the, my actually my my first game uh, game was in Chicago. My my first game uh, that I played uh, was in Chicago. Uh, you know obviously excited to to make the team and and the funny thing is that year i really didn't train train that hard um you know with everything that was going on in detroit and just you know and then all of a sudden they said oh you basically make it a team you know what i mean so i had to really bust my butt and i got in good shape and i got in obviously playing shape but i started feeling really good about myself in the first game was me teddy nolan and uh paul woods we were like back then they called the checking line and uh and you know, watching film, like you know, just have started with started with film, uh, film watching other teams, and so I was always pretty good. I'm, you know, observing what players do and tendencies and stuff like that. And uh, but before that, the, the ironic thing is, we're going into Chicago, you know, on the team bus and going into uh, Chicago Stadium, get off the bus, <laughs> and this elderly black man sees me walking off. He says, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> Yeah, so it was uh, it was quite amusing. You're surprised, eh? At the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, playing playing in Chicago, that was a great thrill because of the organ. You know what I mean? Walk, walk, walking up the stairs. You know, and uh, I remember my first shit. I got a hit. It. I got a hit. You know, what I mean, uh, had a couple shots on Tonio. I think two or three shots. One shot. I was just just I just shot it at net basically, and you know, but it was a. Uh, we ended up losing. I think we lost that game. Yeah, I can't remember. But, uh, you know, I played not a, quite a, a lot, but fair enough. We see, back then, we had a coach of Nick Pilano, and he was a basically assistant, third assistant coach back then in Buffalo. And so what that entitled back then was uh, getting coffees for the other coaches. And um, so when he came to Detroit, because um, Jimmy uh, Devalano, Jimmy Davolano brought him because Jimmy came from the Islander organization. 
That's why Detroit was really starting to be a really good organization after Mr. Illich bought it, because Jimmy brought the ways of the Islanders uh, to Detroit. And even to this day, there's still a lot of uh, characteristics the way uh, Stevie Y carry, you know, carries on because he learned, obviously, and by uh, the way um, uh, Mr. Devolano um, had a team, uh, run the, ran the team, and, you know, they, they were successful, very successful. Could I first ask you then, did you ever collect cards as a young person? Oh, yeah. Uh, listen, <laughs> back then, you know, we used to play uh, in the schoolyard, topsies, furthies, and all these get card games against the wall. And uh, there was a young girl that I went to school in the school. Her name was Angie, I believe. And me and her had the most cards. So we had this big showdown for the cards, and I actually won. And uh, I had a whole bunch of cards collection uh, at home. Uh, and I just, I think my mother tossed them out, which, uh, I'm bitter, not bitter, but I, tell, tell us but, about the. But then I got another. Tell us about the cards that you yeah, had. had what the, what cards do you remember? I had all the cards. Like what years? Are you talking oh, about man. 1960s? And who are the, the players? Yeah, yeah. I had, you know what I mean? Belleville, uh, Howell, uh, Hall, you know what I mean? Johnny Bauer, uh, uh, Sancho. I had them all. I had them all. That, that 16 collection, I had them all. I had them all. And, um, the thing was, because I'm a very, I'm, I'm a very competitive person. I was very, very competitive. And um, so anything that I've done, because the thing is, just give me a backstory out with me. Like I said, my mother was uh, from uh, Digby, Nova Scotia. And my mother was an athlete, a uh, hardworking woman, you know, uh, probably the smartest woman I know. She only had a grade six education, but she was so wise. And, um, the things that she always told me was, Brian, no matter what you do, be better than anybody else. So that was installed in me at a very young age. And, um, and especially, you know, knowing that, and my mother played hockey, you know, in, in, on the, in the lakes and stuff like that in, in her hometown, you know, uh, my dad played hockey. Uh, so as a kid, as far as back as I can remember, my favorite player growing up was Jacques Plante. I wanted to be a goaltender. Um, uh, playing ball hockey, which, you know, I played out, obviously, but I, I was, you know, goaltending, you know, the quick glove, you know, you, you like all that stuff. But uh, I wanted to be a goaltender. Every project that I wrote in school, I said, I want my favorite hockey player was Jacques Plante. And I wrote uh, always on Jacques Plante as, as, school, as a school project as far as uh, uh, writing-wise. Uh, Do you remember what age you started uh, skating and playing hockey? Yeah, four years old. Started at four. I started at four, and I didn't. Then I didn't really skate that much. Then my sister, like my my families were all very good athletes. My two sisters, my brother, uh, my brother was the oldest, and there's two sisters than me. I'm the, I was the baby at the family. Record shows you're born in Montreal, but I know you're talking about a lot about Digby, Nova Scotia. So did did you grow up in Digby? Uh, is that where you? No. Uh, here's here's because my father worked on the railroad, right? And being born in Montreal, and my relatives down in the in the Maritimes here. Uh, every summer from St. John the Baptist to Labor Day, I was in, I was in Halifax, 2476 Creighton Street. I grew up there, you know, uh, and for the summers and the winter times, I was, I would come back to Montreal, you know what I mean? Go to school and, you know, and so on and so forth. But majority, until I was 15 years old, I was in the Maritimes all the time. Okay. So take us back to the Montreal days in terms of your teams you played on. And, uh, when did you start having a passion for recognizing that, uh, well, when do you start to have a passion for hockey? And when did you know you were going to be good at this game? 
Well, a <laughs> uh, good friend of mine to this day, uh, name of Jeffrey Weinstein. His father, uh, Jerry Weinstein, was a wrestler, Olympic wrestler. And uh, so, you know, playing and I, he takes me and says, Brian, you know, come, come play ice hockey. So, okay, I was eight years old, played for the McDonald Rangers. And, you know, my, my ankles are flopping all around there. And uh, first game I played, I scored three goals. And, uh, you know, I had a good, I was the second leading scorer in the league that year, you know, playing outdoor hockey, of course. And, uh, you know, I always loved playing hockey. Uh, I was very good in baseball too, but I liked baseball, but I loved hockey. And, you know, the next years in my, in my youth, uh, I played for uh, Mr. Gaskin, his name was, and uh, it was Kent. Our team was horrible because it was like an expansion team uh, in, our, in our neighborhood. You know, we were a new form park team and uh, we didn't win a game. But we, we, I think our team scored 26 goals. I had 24. So the next year I was transferred to another team. It was a better team. It was a French team. It's called St. Pascal. And uh, we did very well. I led the was MVP again. The next year we went undefeated and uh, we lost in the, in the playoffs, unfortunately, because it was total goals and a couple of players got called up from eight. Back then it was just starting double A hockey. And I went up for double A hockey. But what happened was I went to practice and I was doing well. But, you know, a young kid playing ball hockey, we were playing at 10 o'clock in the morning ball hockey. And I missed the I would have missed the practice for ice hockey, but I didn't go back because I was in like now I look back and I was like embarrassed that I missed a practice. And um, so I always played a hockey until a, until midget. And then after when I, I got to Bantam, I dominated midget. Then after the, my second year midget playing a, a hockey, coach Joey Canale was the coach of uh, Andy G Maroons. And uh, so, he's, you know, I'm scoring like four or five goals a game. And it's just like, really dominating you know so they called me up and me and i saw so i said i'm gonna go up but i'm gonna bring one of my friends got to come with me a guy named danny snow that lives in toronto and uh so we go up and uh, i knew a couple of guys on the team that played with me in the in the in peewees and stuff like that because they were still on, now on the team and just got better and better and better and better and better so brian were there any other um uh, racialized or black players with you growing up that you you recall in the Montreal? Oh yeah, oh oh yeah, Montreal. Uh, playing in the, my second year Pee Wee, there was uh, my line was the Black Connection. Uh, was yeah, I had one guy. Yeah, one guy was my right winger. Uh, Andrew no, Andrew Penancy was left winger, and uh, Claudel Callender was my right winger because I played center then. And yeah, we were tearing the league up. You know what I mean? Where Andrew was like a guy, man, this kid. Was a talented athlete, baseball, um, hockey. Like I don't even think he skated like for a couple of years, and was probably the best skater. In the oh. team. How it was how did it feel at the time to have that uh, you know connection with two other black players? That more of a sense. Oh, we loved it. Yeah. We loved it because we had like you know I grew up in uh, like it's growing up in Montreal was very multicultural where I grew up, and uh, and Claudel Calder, his father was uh, he was biracial, and. Uh, Andrew was from the uh, from the islands, and uh, and I think Claudel's a do- actually a doctor nowadays, a specialist in in voice or whatever. Yeah, it was they had we had the French connection line, and we had the black connection line, and that was our thing. 
So had you seen any Montreal Canadian games back then? You mentioned uh, wanting to be Jacques Plante, but when you were in Montreal, did you go to any games to see any live or any junior games? No, not until like, not, well, only time I went to junior, I was probably, probably my, uh, about 14, four, I say 14, 15, I started going to junior games, the Montreal Junior game. It used to, it used to be the Montreal Blue Blanc Rouge. No, it was Blue Blanc Rouge. Montreal Junior Canadians had left with Joe Pro. They had gone. You know, they were up because they were in OHA. Then, I, then after they held me to Quebec Major League. And then after I went to see Blue Blanc Rouge and uh, uh, Jules Lupien and uh, Robert Picard and Pierre Mondou, uh, you know. Right. So, Any Montreal Canadian so, games? But, um, I went, my first Montreal Canadian game was um, when I was seven, 16 or 17. I just got drafted uh, to, to Quebec Major. And we were watching a Memorial Cup in Montreal at the Forum. And uh, me and my friend, Peter Peon, God rest his soul, um, we, we, we watched the Memorial Cup in the afternoon and Montreal was playing Philadelphia at night. And uh, so we, we hid in the bathrooms and all over around the places like that. He got caught. I ended up watching the game. And uh, funny thing, I seen Reggie Leach play. And then after I was at training camp with him many years. Okay. Ago. So were there any other Montreal Canadians you looked up to at that time? Well, uh, listen, John Beliveau, you know, uh, uh, I love John Beliveau, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, and one guy I used to like, you know, I looked up to, was like, a matter of fact, I had in 60, my dad worked like working on a train. So like everybody was, we basically um, were related to a lot of the guys as uncles and stuff like that. Uncle this, uncle that. And I had an autograph written on uh, a menu, basically. Um of the 1967-68 Montreal Canadiens, they John Beliveau promised uh, Mayor Jean Drapeau the Stanley okay. Cup, and that's the year they lost to the league. So, but yeah, I mean, Dick, uh, what, the rocket was gone by then. Was Henri Richard? Was anyone? Yeah, yeah. Rock, Henri Richard was there. He was the captain. Henri Richard, Yvonne uh, Cornwayer, uh, J.C. Tremblay was one of my favorites. Great defenseman, uh, Gump Worsley, Rogie Vachon, Terry Harper. Uh, his son actually was in Cub Scouts with me. Um, uh, uh, Terry Harper, uh, uh, Ted Harris, uh, Ralph Backstrom, Claude Pronovo. Okay. You know. Uh, All right. Yeah. So before we move on to uh, find out more about the junior years for you, you have a, uh, you told us you have a rich uh, history within the family of uh, black hockey history connected in the East coast. Could you just elaborate further about uh, the connections you have and how far your roots go back? Well, with, I'm like, with my dad, my dad played hockey, but a lot of his friends, like uh, I was very fortunate to meet Manny McIntyre. Uh, I was very fortunate uh, to know uh, uh, Ronnie Robinson. Is it Ronnie? Well, Cause his brother, Norm, Norm, Norm Roberts, sorry. Norm Roberts' brother, I think it was Ronnie Roberts, played for the Halifax Floresures back then. Um, I heard about the Maxwells. Um, I heard about, um, you know, a lot of players that played in uh, in Nova Scotia that were really great hockey players, but could not get that opportunity to go further. Can you elaborate more on the opportunities that that, that they were denied? Just their skin color. You know what I mean? It, it's hard. I know as myself growing up in Montreal, and uh, like I said, living in multicultural, you know, it wasn't hard for me really when I played in midget. But when I got to junior, 
Whew. Man, I was called every name but Brian. You know what I mean? So you look back and the people that before me that played, that I'm, I'm standing on their shoulders, uh, what they went through. And in, Hel in Nova Scotia, was, it was brutal. I remember as a kid just walking in Nova Scotia, they had curfew. You had to be 14 over to stay, uh, to stay at 9 o'clock. You know, I remember all this stuff. You know, uh, I, I remember my brother-in-law, my ex-brother, actually, he used to tell me when they played played hockey in places like Windsor and stuff like that, you know, it was, it was, it was terrible. You know? And the thing is, the thing is, Dean, is, is what people really have to understand is the history of hockey. Slaves brought that to North America. You know, it didn't come from uh, uh, the Vikings or whatever and all like the and the, the, the try to portray. That's not true. It's a falsity. It's it's somebody's story. It's his story, yeah. but it's not history. Yeah, and you're referring to the Colored Hockey League, which is really from the yeah. late 1880s for 25, 30 years. Strong, rich history, history of players. And then the NHL phones. But it was the slaves from the Underground Railway that when they were in Canada, started playing hockey. Yeah. So um, let's move on to your junior career. I, I wanted to hear about the success for some of your teams and some of the experiences. And in particular, through your career in 1979, you put up 32 goals, 52 assists, 84 points in 44 games, 144 penalty minutes. And I believe this is likely the year your last year before you move on to professional hockey. But before we get to that, I just want to highlight that because uh, that really stood out to me as well as your year with uh, Verdun, years with Verdun. But what position? I was traded from Verdun to Sherbrooke. Yeah. But that year, that year total, I had 40 goals. It says 39, but I really had okay. 40 goals. Yeah. And I really had 120 points. Yeah. And over 200 minutes of penalties. Okay. I was second all-star in the league. Okay, so that year. take us back to your year before junior. What was that like? Were you scouted and drafted to Quebec Junior League? And uh, Yeah. So here's and what, what position here's do what you I play? Was, I, I missed that before. So. I, back then, I was playing right wing. I was playing right wing. So playing for Joy Canale for the NEG Maroons, um, you know, hard work. And, you know, probably my most memorable team that I played on a um, bunch of guys that got, got together, 16 year olds, 17 year olds, you know what I mean? And we hung together. Uh, we did a lot of things together and I'm telling you, we finished up in sixth place in the league, the Montreal Metropolitan League back then. And Gaston Therrien, uh Rosemount, Francois, Francois James, Elitzenor, Corey Mikulaf that played later for uh, Detroit and also um, so these teams used to beat us like we stole something, but we started getting better and better and better. We went to tournaments and we, we won a tournament overtime game in the semifinals or the quarterfinals to get to semis. We never won tournaments, but we're getting closer and closer and closer. So now we are understanding we can win. So that year we played a tournament in Sorel, Quebec. And, uh, one guy hit one of my players. And then all of a sudden, it was a bench-clearing brawl. So I, you know, I'm on the ice. And, uh, you know, I take care of a couple of guys. So Roderick Lemoyne was the uh, um, president, owner and president of the Verdun. Well, back then it was Sorrell. They said they did. Sorrell, that means Sorrell Blackhawks. And uh, 
So after that game, then the next game we're playing, they had big headlines. Joueur de couleur. You know, black players playing Brian Johnson. And then he came, he came and looked me up and see me and said, you know what? You're gonna, I'm going to draft you. And if you don't want to play, you're not playing for anybody. So they, I was drafted the first round, third overall, because Val James was already in the league then. He was leaving. You know what I mean? Val was a tough guy. You know what I mean? So they perceived me as being this tough guy. I could handle myself. But, you know, back then, that was my first, quote, unquote, fight uh, on ice. You know? And, uh, you know, so everything, everything just, uh, you know, was in the, I guess in the cards, you know, it's the hindsight now. So uh, he drafted me, and then uh, my first year, I got injured. I didn't really play that much. I started off good. Then they started getting 19 year olds. You know, when you start getting older players to try to win, the younger players don't really play that. Steve Casper was on my team then. Ray Bork was my captain and junior. But the year, like I said, going in midget, you know what I mean, was great, was great because my, you know, my dad and uh, my brother, you know, they were all excited for me, you know, being drafted. All my friends were all excited for me being drafted uh, third overall. Well, that's really impressive. And I didn't know that uh, Ray Bork was on your team. Um, so yeah, it was my, he was my captain in production. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really neat. Oh, he used to come to my house. We used to stay at uh, sleep over each other's house. Yeah. Uh, Ray was a great guy. So tell me then, did one of those teams, was one of those teams very successful in terms of maybe getting close to the Memorial Cup or? Uh, the- well, my last year. See, after my first year, um, you know what I mean, having this, ah, not a great season. So I really busted my tail and uh, went to power skating school. I came back and I was probably one of the most improved players in the league. You know what I mean? Ended up scoring like 32 goals or something like that. Had a great season. Yeah, being considered um, to sign with the WHA. You know, me, Ray Bork, and uh, Normal Band, another great guy. Phenomenal guys. And... Um, because the league had merged where they only had did six rounds, I didn't get drafted. So what happened was the next year, Ted Lindsay, we'll get into that after, but so that was one of the years. But my as far as success for a junior, my last year after I got traded from Verdun to Sherbrooke, we ended up losing in the finals. We went out, we won the league championship, but we lost in the playoffs. Uh, uh we won the regular season championship, but we lost in the playoffs. We lost to uh Dale Howard, Chuck was 16, Mark Crawford. Um, we, we beat teams. We swept, beat, beat. They were playing a team called Shakutami back then when Dee Carbonell was on that team. And, uh, they went to seven games and we were off for like 10 days. So, you know what? That's like not being inactive. You can practice as much as you want, but you can simulate things, but it's not game. And we, first game, we outshot them out of God knows. And they beat so that missed beat going to the Memorial four. Cup. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Yeah, we lost it. We're probably the only team that outscored like the games that we beat them. We beat them 11-1, 10-3 and stuff like that. Okay. But we would lose the close ones. So were there any um, other memories you want to share in terms of coaching support that you had during those? Well, yeah. Well, in junior, there was a coach named Pete Pisson. He was really good. He was honest. And that's what, you know, one coach I had, he was just, it was a player. He was a player. Then the next year he was a coach. But he mostly, he was not a coach. Per se, he was just uh, a stand-in for the owner that would run the show anyways. But Pete Pisson, like, yeah, he really helped me. Jacin Delage, you know, he helped out, you know. But Pete Pisson, Jr., 
helped help my growth as a player. And Joey Canale was very Joey Canale, my midget coach, was very instrumental to my uh, my my success, my career. So then, on the topic that's uh, never easy to talk about in terms of uh, dealing with racism on the ice or respect here, is let's first talk about minor hockey days and then midget. Anything jump out to you in terms of uh, that was really challenging for you or those other teammates faced? Any, any, anything that that stands out? And well, the thing is with me. Um, because of my competitive nature and like I'm saying what my mom, you know, had installed in me to uh, be better than anybody else, you know, and my era growing up watching Muhammad Ali uh, wrestling gorgeous George. And so if they were booing me or calling me names, that would fuel my, fuel me. But if I, I was such a terrible loser, I'm a great winner, but I was, I'm a terrible loser. And uh, so I remember one game, they're calling me. Don't forget, I'm playing in the 70s. And in the 70s, Roots was on. So I was called Kinte Kunte, Chicken George. Are these spectators or are other players your opponents? Oh, it's spectators. A couple of players. So parents, parents of... Your opponent. Oh yeah, well, fans, fans, yeah. fans, man, yeah. fans. And I'm telling you, I, I, I just um, wanted to make sure we were situating this first with your minor hockey. So, what? Well, minor hockey. You know what? Going up through minor hockey, um, I really didn't hear that much because I was one. I was a really good player, and being a really good player for obviously where I played in smaller in arenas in Montreal, you know what I mean. It. I didn't really. Didn't okay, hear so it, most right? of this is emerging really in junior it. hockey. Then you're saying that. Okay. Junior hockey. Junior was hell. I couldn't wait to leave Junior. Junior was hell. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm probably scarred still from Junior. No. Again, I just I want to make sure the listeners have a, a context of what you faced. And were there some situations where you found that, um, like, you had to wear a lot of this yourself? Was there situations where you faced- Referees. Re- referees and Junior. I, I played for Verdun Blackhawks. We have the same and sing obviously have Chicago Blackhawks, except with the V. Referees one time said, penalty to 26 black. We didn't have black. <laughs> you know, it's it was crazy, man. But because I had well, what Denny Savard once time called me the N-word, and Steve Casper was my centerman, and Steve and him went at it. But any players that called me a few, they I I, I took care of it. So I was, I was, um, I can take care of a lot of those situations. I don't know what they said behind, but if they said it to me, that just back then, I'm, I'm, I'm a spark, you know what I mean? That was it. And I'm making you pay. All right. And do you, do you recall your owner or your coaches or anyone else being an advocate, being an ally for you in terms well, of uh, standing up or protecting um, you or? They... Like Pee Pee Song was really good, and and I mean he, he was realistic, a really great guy, man. And uh, and you know, and he said, Brian, I know it, sometimes it can't be easy for you, but he, he said just work hard and show them. And I remember one time vividly, this game I played in and uh, Three Rivers, Quebec, and Three Rivers was a big team. They 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 won the Memorial Cup. They didn't win, but they won the Memorial Cup representing Quebec back then. Yeah, and uh, so. 
we had traded a tough guy from our team to them and they were just renovating their building and Ray was our captain and uh man they're you know doing a ceremony and stuff like that so I'm we're, we're doing warm up I'm like fired up man. like I'm I'm kicking their ass you know I'm fired up and uh so puck goes into the corner and Daniel Saint Laurent was the guy was the tough guy so I hit him broke his collarbone so you know played that game and Michel Bergeron was their coach and he's going Johnson we're going to see if you're a man tonight, sends on this other kid that was supposed to be a tough guy. So I know what's going to happen, right? So before the puck drops, I, you know, I'm, I pepper him up, you know. But I had the Gordie Howe hat trick. I had to go fight and assist. And we ended up winning two, two to one. And this old white French guy, white gentleman, he comes, sees me after the game. He goes, Johnson. I don't like you, but you play what? Hello again. <laughs> <laughs> Something. Yeah, yeah. If you're enjoying Recognize and thinking about starting your own hockey card collection, I'd suggest you start with eBay. eBay is all about connecting communities and fueling passions. Because of its thriving card collector community, I was able to make my dream come true by collecting the rookie cards of the NHL's black and biracial players. Start your own collection at ebay.ca slash hockey cards. So your your home crowd fans, were they, uh, were you a fan of no, theirs? They yeah. yeah, they love yeah, me. That's at Verdun and Sherbrooke. Sherbrooke, yeah. And well, in Sherbrooke, the funny thing, because I got traded there. When I played there, when I was opposition, yeah. they hated my guts. You know what I mean? But when I got traded there and they see my work ethic and how, how I play, they knew how I played. So, you know what I mean? They see one yeah. game. But when they see continuous of games, and I when I first went there, I think I had a 17-game point streak. You know, so they, they seen the hard work and, you know, the effort that, that I put in. But I had great players around me. Yeah. You know, definitely I had some great players around okay. me. And then before we leave Junior then, you mentioned Val James maybe was slightly before you. Were there any other black or racialized players you recall playing at Quebec Juniors at that time? No, I think Val was the only one that I that I yeah. seen. Val, yeah, Val, because they had well, when I got drafted, the draft that year was in uh, Quebec City, and Val was there. And my owner said he's going to be the next one. You know what I mean? The tough guy and stuff like that, right? So, and Rodrigue Lemoyne was like uh, he was a lawyer by. Uh, by a, a profession, but he was like kind of a showman, right? Back then, uh, you know, he had great teams. You know, we had uh, Pierre LaRouche, Cassell, and Dejiel. They all scored over like 100. Uh, I think LaRouche had 100 some odd goals. They were just a great line. And uh, he actually had Dave Schultz play for him. Uh, I guess back then you can loan players from different leagues and stuff like that. So he was a great showman as far as like that. And, you know, there's some crazy stories I, I cannot uh, divulge, but. Uh, there's some stories with Roger Lemoyne involved in the team and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, he was a he was a great guy, great guy. But he was he used to like to drink too, a little little tasters once in a while. But uh, he was a stern guy. Yeah, great. yeah. Okay, so just wrapping up that chapter of your life, then was there any particular city that again you really detested from the experience you had that stands out uh, with racism? Playing in Shawinigan. 
playing Scrimmage, playing Scrimmage, and Scrimmage again, and Scrimmage. Uh, the fans, the fans in Scrimmage were so bad, they rocked the bus. After the and they're rocking the bus. You know, it was, you know, it was kind of scary. You know what I mean? It's uh, coming after you. Uh, not just me, the team. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. But I, I had probably a good part to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had uh, death threats. You know, Junior had death threats, you know. Uh, yeah. You've, you endured quite a bit. So you move on. Tell us about the experience of the draft then. Uh, your draft date? Did you? Where was the draft? Did you attend the draft? Well, no, I didn't attend the draft because uh, I signed as a, a because in '79, what like I said, I was telling you there were, but what happened was uh, Ted Lindsay, God rest his soul, that was a beautiful man. Uh, he came and he signed me, and uh, you know, uh, he said, you know, we're probably the league is start not drafting a lot of 19 year olds, and uh, so you know, with the year with the WHA and NHL merging in '79. So um, there was teams looking at me, and um, he told me that they wanted to sign me. And Roderick Lemoyne was my agent. He was also like the lawyer agent for us back then. And uh, I signed with Detroit. And I went down to – actually, I went down to their training camp in uh, – where was it? It was not Sault Ste. Marie. Um, uh, it was somewhere up in Ontario there. Lake Superior College. Lake Superior College. I went down there and I was, you know, I skated with them. Mike Foligno was their first pick that year. Uh, Dale McCoy was there. I go into the dress. I go into the dressing room. Frank Mahovich was trying to make a comeback, comeback, right? And uh, Pete, Pete Mahovich was there. And I come in. He says, "What are you coming here signing shoes? You know what I mean?" Or, but he was. I have. I actually played with Pete and Honorati won the Calder Cup. But you know, it's just that kind of thing. I got dressed probably within five minutes, just waiting to get on the ice. You know, nervousness and stuff, but. Uh, but with Ted Lindsay, when he signed me, he said, Brian, they had a clause in uh, my contract. If I was rating the top 21, then uh, I would get more uh, signing bonus. Okay. Which I was rated. I was what I was rating the top 21. Yeah. So you go to camp. Do you go have any exhibition games in NHL and then you land in and and around? No, no, no. Because you see, the thing is what happened in Detroit. Uh, Ted Lindsay was great. He gave guys good contracts. He was obviously, you know, Start the players' association, so it was always for the players, and uh, so they relinquished his duty as GM, and then they had him down to coach, and um, so that was starting to be the change, starting to be a little bit of changing of the guard with Detroit because I I think the team was up for sale, we didn't sell that year, I think it sold the, the year after that, and so uh, I didn't get a chance in the games. Uh, I had an exhibition game in the American League, and I played really well. There was a coach called Wayne Maxer, which is from the Maritimes. I'm, uh, me and my one of my teammates, Rajan Cloutier, that played on my team in, in junior, Sherbrooke, and him being French and me being black. Uh, we were ridiculed by him, you know what I mean, behind our, behind our backs. And we found out later, uh, one time of doing a test and uh, sprinting, you know, you had to run a mile in so many minutes. Uh, then you had to do a 60 yard dash. And so with the medicine ball, so I ran and he said, I wonder why he's running fast with the balls. He's acting like it's a TV, stolen TV. So this is the kind of things that were said, the racism, you know, Maxner even told me this guy, he said to me, we're out in upstate New York, Glens Falls, New York. This is 1980. Driving my car to a restaurant. 
And he sees me, he says, Brian, I want to talk to you. So what? He says, uh, don't be messing around with the white girls here. You know what I mean? That's that's what he told me back then. He also, one game of playing Binghamton, uh, Marty Howe, Gordy's son. So I come down, you know what I mean? And put a move on in my score. We end up losing 3-1, but I'm happy that I score, right? And he, he just comes in the room and like ridicules me and just destroyed my confidence. He was a guy that just just destroyed my confidence yeah. you know and very uh, sorry to hear what you had to endure yeah yeah he was and uh and the worst thing is we ended up winning the calder cup that year anyways there's a lot of things that happened that year ups and downs uh played didn't play didn't play then we had a we had a or one of our coaches was uh uh tom webster he was co-coach with jp leblanc was a player coach so i was playing with ted uh not ted dave hansen and um uh, Carmen Cirilla, and we we're in the fourth line, start playing well. And this is the thing that I say to any young kid and or anybody that coaches kids. Don't destroy, don't destroy their opportunity. You know what I mean? If you give somebody, Dean, if I said to you, here's 10 games or five games, I'm going to play you. You make it or break it. That's on the onus is on us to do our thing. But if you're playing the fourth line, and you're playing, you don't play maybe one shift the first, one shift the second. There's a game getting a little rough, maybe two minutes left, and the coaches go on. I'm looking at the coach. They're not making me mad. You are. Yeah. Denying opportunity, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, I don't know. I really, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm, as I'm older, like I turned 63 last Saturday, Saturday passed. And, you know, I, I look at my accomplishments and, Yes, you know, I, I I did things not a lot of people have done. Um, you know, uh, I wasn't able to write my own chapter. You know, I wasn't able to get the opportunity to play. So even when I was in Detroit, um, Nick Polano, you know what I mean? He'd be looking around like he's Scotty Bowman or something like that, you know? Um, yeah, how are you going to play? Like, I was there for three games. Like, played. See, in NHL, when you step on the ice, that counts as a game. But I was there. I was there for like a like till November, and and this is how dirty they were. The week, um, here's our home. Here's where's our schedule. I remember, was St. Louis, Toronto, Montreal, Boston, in that order or whatever. So I didn't go on a trip. They didn't sit up Toronto. They, I mean St. Louis, whatever. They know I'm from Montreal. They know you know what I mean. This is. Kids dream. They send me down. You know what I mean? They say, oh, we're going to send you down for conditioning. Da, 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 da. You know? I had the guy, Louis Slager, suckered me in, in junior. So he's playing for Quebec Nordiques. I'm dressed for that game. And I, I told Brad Park, I was living with Brad Park. I said, Brad, man, this guy sucked me and I got to get him back. You know, been years. It's just opportunity. They don't even let me, they don't even let me get me on the ice sitting on the bench. You know, it's just... And I knew I'm not both. I knew I was better than a lot of players that played in the league for years. I had the size, I had the speed. You know what I mean? Uh, I I could score. You know, you know, I could. Yeah, I could have did better than Joey, a Joey Corso or, or Stevenson or any. I skate better than these guys. I was tougher than these guys. Um, and I'm not putting them no. down. I'm just, I'm just. More other opportunities. But if you don't, if you don't get your opportunities. You can't show. 
And you know what? And I, I look back, I blame myself too because my attitude sucked because, you know, because I was so competitive and because, you know, after a while, I, I, I call it a Jackie Robinson syndrome. I hated hockey because yeah. it was eating me inside because I was letting that anger eat me up. Yeah, it's hard to contextualize all these things as a young person. And I'm not sure if what mentors you may or may not have had around too, but when those things are coming at you, those negativities, for someone to sort of compartmentalize that for you to stay on that course, it's not easy to do, not easy to endure. Well, see, that's why when my son played hockey, which I didn't want him to play, but my son played in the American yeah. League and in the East Coast League, I was able to help him with a lot of things because I've been in my dad was a hardworking person. My mom was a hardworking person. I got their worth ethic from them. But as far as compartmentalizing and, and, and saying, well, you know, son, what you're Oh, yeah, it's, 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 very, it's very nuanced. Could, yeah. My, my mother, I'm jumping back here. When I was playing one of the games at the Montreal Forum in junior, my brother-in-law had bought tickets, but I played for Verdun against Montreal Juniors, but he thought it was Montreal, right? So he buys the tickets, but on the wrong side. So you got 10,000 people, half for Verdun, half for Montreal. My mother's sitting on the Montreal side. So she's hearing her 17-year-old son. He called every single name in the book. She can't. She got up and she was waited in the corridors. After the game, she said, Brian can never come watch you play again. She never watched me play. And she used to always take me to my games as a kid and practice and stuff like 5 o'clock morning practice, whatever. She couldn't, she, she couldn't do it. She couldn't yeah. do it. So if I could uh, talk about your experiences in those three games, maybe bring out some, uh, some highlights for you from that experience. Um, yeah. I don't know who the coach was for Detroit at the time. I know that Steve, Nick okay, Steve Eiserman was on the team. I sat, me and Steve sat beside each other in the locker room. That's, that must be very special. So the three games you recall, recall the order again, is it St. Louis first? Detroit, St. Louis, no Chicago, Chicago first. first, then, um, then Chicago, St. Louis, and Chicago, Los Angeles. No, Chicago, Chicago, L.A. Yeah. Kings played against the Kings and St. Louis. Louis, and the St. Louis one is Kings. I had a Kings. Kings was a you know what I mean I, I scored actually scored, you know what I mean. And the goalie went to freeze and I hit it in. And Don Koharski called no goal. I wish I had video. I wish I had video replay because after the game he says you know BJ. It was a goal. I'm sorry, man. So Don, that ain't gonna help me. Yeah. You know. So what do you have some uh, fond memories of those three games you want to share with our listeners? <laughs> well, the, the memories is that you're playing in the league. You know what I mean? Great time playing in the league. The opportunity that I well, the t ice time that I did. Uh, you know, the first game in L.A. was great being in L.A. You know, the Great Western Forum, um, playing against uh, 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 the Crown Line, Simmer, Dion, and uh, and Taylor. That was. That was because we're the checking line, you know. So I'm playing against Simmer, you know what I mean? It was really good. And um, one guy, I think he hit Iceman. I can't remember the guy's name. And me and him, uh, me and him went at it, you know. Uh, that's where I got my five minutes. <laughs> I get some stat. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was good. It was great. You know, I, I, I worked hard. I started really working hard, really working hard. And, you know, practicing and, and getting, starting to, in practice, I, my confidence was starting to grow. You know, Eddie Mio was our goaltender. I remember one time I, I did a one-timer, picked the top corner. Don't be shooting high on me. But I was getting the confidence, but I wasn't getting the opportunity. You know, and playing in Chicago was great. I played 
a little bit, uh, you know, we had a decent game. Uh, we're, we're checking line, playing against Secord, uh, Savard, and uh, Larimer, you know, uh, and against St. Louis for Durko, and uh, I can't remember the other guys. We played against them, right? So there was um, there was great memories in that way, you know, playing there. And, and you know, you know, as a little kid from Cotonage, Montreal, Montreal, Montreal for Cotonage District, uh, across the street from uh, Steve Fletcher and me, we're, we probably, we're, we're historic. Yeah. Uh, Steve, Steve Fletcher's Fletcher other across, Montreal Canadian black player. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. He grew up, he lived across the street from me. His father worked for, uh, worked for CP rail and my dad worked for CN rail. When did you find out you'd be playing your first game? Like, tell us about how that made you feel when you were notified. Okay. Well, basically, you know, you're, you're playing and you know what I mean? You, you see the lineup. When did you find out? Were you in practice? Yeah, or well, you, yeah, you see the like, lineup for the game. You know, you know it's going to play, and you, and you know I'm excited and fired up, and you know when they always say go find your place, you know that that's always a good sign. And uh, and then I just lived with Brad Park for a while because I he was going to move, I was going to take over his place, so I, I moved in with Brad, and uh, so uh, that was really good, you know, and just you know being a professional. Don't. You know, I say being a professional, like you're, you're, I was 22 or 23 at the time. You know, you don't know better. You don't know better. You're just, all you're doing is what you did all your life is play a sport and enjoy the sport. But you don't have, you don't understand the business side of it or the, 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 the consequences that come along or the responsibility that comes along with being a professional athlete. And, you know, oh man, it was, I was, I've, 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 my skates felt like it was off the ice. I was so I was so pumped up, man. That Oregon and just you know what I mean, the, singing the national anthem, and all of a sudden, you know, the fans going crazy for for their hawks, you know, and you know, and I loved it. You know what I mean? I loved that. That that drove me, and to um, and I think that who was the the defenseman? Was it was it Wilson? I can't remember the defense. And I knew he no, um, was, and, but he was. He always would like do a spinorama, right? And and so I knew that. So as soon as I angled him, I knew he was going to do the spin. Boom! I hit him. Good hit. You know. Now you did talk about being probably one of the few black people, maybe even in the arena in Chicago, other than maybe some staff that were working I, there. I, I, well, I, I, you know what? To be honest with you, I didn't look around the crowd. I'm just, you know, I was just tunnel vision. I was happy. I was more than happy. I was elated to be there. That. You know, your dream has uh, been realized. And, uh, yeah, man, that excitement, that excitement still feels good in my stomach today because, you know what, I now I have grandkids and stuff like that, and, you know, and, and they can look. And when my nephew was in Montreal, uh, Montreal in Toronto, and, and he looks at players that played in the NHL, and my name's in the Hockey Hall of Fame, you know, it, it's an honor. It's an honor, you know. It, it's yeah, and Brian, what, what, num- what number were you for? 24. Uh, 24, I see that. 24. So you should have a Brian Johnson uh, jersey made up for you. Yeah. Yeah. So then you move on. You have a long uh, minor pro career for five, six years. And you're playing in American cities. Do you have some stories to share about the impact you had as a black player in terms of other other minorities and people looking up to you? Can can you share a few stories with us? Sure. when I played in Dallas, Dallas was this old Central League, was like the American League, was the same equivalency as the American League. And uh, I was on loan. See, that was the thing. I After I had a great camp in Detroit, 
And that Wayne Maxner, you know what I mean? Marcel Pronovo, um, a lot of the head scouts, a lot of the papers. So, Brian, man, you made the team. I, I think I was third leading scorer behind McCord and Feligno, man. I, had a, I mean, I had a great camp. Excuse me. And so um, back then, they, they have you all assembled on the ice. And uh, so they're reading names, you know, so you're with bated breath. And and, and it, then it reads, this one's going, now this one's going, this one's going, this one's going. And I don't hear my name. Man. So I'm saying, man, I think I made it. I think I made it. Then he goes, and by the way, Brian Johnson. Just like, just deflated me. So after that, what I do, I go in the office. I say, listen, man. What's basically what's the deal, right? Uh, I said, listen, why don't you guys just buy my contract? Just buy me up. And uh, so uh, the GM was Jimmy Skinner, old fat man. And uh, he looks at me and says, uh, we know you. this is hockey. We know you're tough. This is that we're going to play. You know, so, you know, we're going to send you down the other round. You're going to play a lot. Da, da, da. I just said, listen, why don't you guys just buy me out, man? You know what I mean? Because I knew uh, I could, you know, I was confident enough that I could play. So I get to out around like I'm supposed to play Lake Placid. You know, he said, no, we're going to keep you for the home game, the home game. We don't want you playing. I go, so we're in out around Glen Falls, out around that. Call me to the office. We're going to put you on, we're going to get on loan. Me, Bill, Hogeboom, and Kelly Kiss, you all loan to Dallas. So I just, I just basically kind of lost, you know. So now this is not right. So, anyways, I went to Dallas in a new beginning, fresh start. Got to Dallas. Danny Belay was our coach, which after Lay became our assistant coach in Detroit. So there was a link there for me to, to go after. But uh, so I'm playing in Dallas that year. We had a good team. We lost actually in the finals that year. But uh, playing in a place like Salt Lake City. So I go on the ice. This one guy, well, a couple. This has happened near the end. He puts a, a basketball. So I'm dribbling the ball. And, you know, so you'd be playing basketball. So those are kind of things that used to happen. Um in, in Indianapolis, uh, 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 also in Salt, uh, you take play Nashville, um, Wichita, Fort Wayne, you know. Um, yeah, you're and southern part of the U.S. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah so southern stretch. You have you know likely done things like some outreach in the community, uh, visiting schools. Like, do you have any memories to share along that journey in terms of how people positively received you as? As, as someone uh, being a minority in the game? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I've spoken to uh, one of the greatest things that I, my best, one of my best recollections when I was in Dallas, actually. Um, underprivileged kids, we went, uh, was I went, there was a guy from the Texas Rangers, Dallas Cowboys, um, and the Mavericks. And we went to help these kids for, uh, you know, feed these kids for Christmas. And they were so uplifting and, you know, it just, it, it just touched my heart. It just, I just remembered so, so well, you know, and these kids for their Christmas dinner had a hamburger and an old member of McDonald's package, like the cellophane that they used to have and potato chips. You know I mean? I, I'm there lifting up. They actually lifted me up, you know? And, but, but I, and I coached hockey for 15 years after my, Son started to play. I never really coached him in, on his team, but when it, but I and I coached. I helped with uh, uh, Sean Collymore, Seneca Sand. Um, Is this in the East Coast? Team. You were coaching. 
No, no, no. In Montreal. Montreal. Okay. In Montreal. Okay. Yep. Yeah, in Quebec. Yep. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of uh, Tyler Chase, a lot of black kids that you know I used to speak to them and just and just gave them the uh, uh, the, the the guidance and 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 gave them a you know a navigational system how to proceed to be successful in in, in the game and the confidence that. Um... You know, you had the kind of the blueprint of someone that had already been through junior hockey and played NHL and played pro. Like, there's a lot of experience and mentoring that you could pass on. Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing is, 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 is you know, re- I'm re- reiterating my, my same points that I've been making. is opportunity, man. You know, for somebody to have control. It's, here's the thing that uh, I can be 100% wrong, but the thing that I always bewildered me was this. If a player, you can't put a player on for a whole game, shouldn't be there. That You know what I mean? Why even? But if you choose a player, you know, when I coach, one of the things I used to do, you find out who can do what and so on and so forth. You pay the fiddler early. I understand in professional, it's about wins and losses. I understand that. But in, in American League or junior, it's about development. And a lot of times what happens is these coaches are looking for their own, their own, a, a reward system as far as getting promoted and elevated to higher leagues from junior to American League, American League to NHL. I've seen it through with my son. I've seen it with other coaches. You know what I mean? They're not looking at development of the kit. You don't have to have a great record to develop a kit. And winning is is fun. Winning it has a lot of great benefits to winning. But Patrick Watt played on a team that was losing. One of the greatest goalies that played. Yeah, it's so true. I think in all sports, we get caught up so much in the winning and losing as if like, um, well, I guess sometimes the coaches are getting paid in minor hockey, but there's this emphasis on the wins and losses versus the broader picture. You're looking at just the development because someone can be 10 years old and a different player when they're 16. But if you are constantly giving, you know, constructive, maybe constructive criticism, but balancing it out and not focusing on the wins and losses in the long run, you know, kids will be, much further along, but, uh, but parents and everything, they, people get caught up, caught up on it. That's what I hear. You, I see kids every day, um, uh, that come, I work at Costco here in, in St. John and, um, uh, people, you know, they got to know who I am and uh, I see young hockey players, female, male. And I tell them, enjoy the game, work hard, have fun. But I said, I asked them, what is your definition of fun? And I said, the definition of fun, if you're a forward, is beating a defenseman one-on-one. That's fun. If you're a defenseman, is stopping a forward. If your goalie is stopping the puck, that's fun. But hard work leads to having fun. So when you work hard, you're going to have fun. And, and you know what? Learn fundamentals of the game. Kids, are, kids have more skill nowadays than ever. But their fundamentals is lacking in the, in my opinion, at not shouldn't say fundamentals, their athleticism. Because when I was playing baseball, I played hockey. So now the puck get in the air, I can put my hand up and knock it down. Now they put their stick up because they don't have multiple that. skills. Yeah, athleticism. using your feet, using your hands. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. We played soccer in school, you know, with the tennis ball. I was good with the puck in my in my in my skates. You know. I can play the puck off my skates and put it to my stick. It was little things, but they don't, they don't teach that because they want them to get parents living vicariously through their kids. You know what I mean? Think they're the next one. Who inspired you? 
I know you alluded to a number of people, but who inspired you in your life? Who inspired me in my life in, in regards to uh, playing hockey? Anything. Well, who inspired me was my mother and father. You know what I mean? <laughs> my mother was a tough woman. You know what I mean? She was a country girl through and through. My father was probably the funniest man I ever met in my life. Um, great parents. Great, great parents. Um, people that inspired me to uh, in sports was my family. And other people like Jeffrey Weinstein was a guy that brought me out, uh, you know, seeing, uh, I remember a guy uh, growing up watching him, uh, isn't that, we always call him Perk, Perkis, who was a great hockey player, watch him play junior B, you know what I mean, you see him play, so this guy's really good, you know, so it, was, it inspired me to, to see this guy play at that level, and for me to surpass him, right, it was really good when I did, you know, he said, hey, Brian, man, you're doing great, you know, so that's the neighborhood that I grew up at, in, I should say, and just, Watching Muhammad Ali, you know what I mean? Growing up, Bruce Lee, you know, uh, uh, and, and hockey, you know, obviously, like I said, uh, uh, Johnny Bellavo, John Bellavo, you know, Gila Fleur, you know, uh, and, uh, Herb Carnegie, listening to stories my dad told him, sitting down with Manny McIntyre, um, uh, baseball, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, you know what I mean? Uh, these are guys that I seen play, uh, 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 I I met uh, um, uh, Robinson, uh, Willio, Frank Robinson. Willio Ree? No, I didn't meet Well, you would be, be in that. Montreal at that time, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Willio, but Willio Ree, uh, Bill Riley was a great yeah. guy. You know, help me out. Help yeah, me out. Bill Riley, we had him on a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Great guy, Bill. Is he still in Florida? No, he's, he's not too far from you. He's in uh, yeah, near, he, Amherst, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's not far. Bill, great guy, yeah. man. Willie O'Reed, only thing with Mr. O'Reed, I give him some respect for being a pioneer of the game as far as being the first. It must have been real, poof. you know, I understand my plight maybe a couple decades after him. But I don't think that he reached, he's doing a lot more now, obviously, with the NHL giving assistance. But I just felt that he could have done a lot more okay. back then. So you gave some advice before. I'm just going to state this question. What advice would you give yeah. to young hockey players today? Anything else you wanted to add that you didn't say before? Uh, what I would give to young hockey players today, play another sport. Play another sport beside hockey. Don't play 12, 12 months a year. You know what I mean? Because that, I think that has, a, that has a burnout factor. So when you, because if you miss something, you'll love it. If you play it all the time, you might get to hate it. Brian, you played at a time, and what, I, what I've been trying to do this podcast is um, highlight the diversity that already existed. You talked about growing up in a multicultural Montreal community. You talked about playing an all-black line. We know there's more diverse uh, people, more racialized people than there ever have been in Canada, but the numbers really don't reflect what I would th think they should based on the success of people like you and your what changes do you think will be helpful, even at a grassroots level, to sort of broaden the access to this game to more people? Okay, well, you know, it's, that's a great question. If you look at major cities, Montreal, the Montreal Forum was five minutes away from Little Burgundy, predominantly black area. There was no arenas down there. You know what I mean? So it's close by, but far away. So what, what, what else have they done? They made it so expensive, a lot of people don't have the resources. 
You know, so when you, I, I can pick up a basketball and make a garbage tin, put it up and throw it. A baseball, you get two gloves and a ball. A football, get a ball, toss it around. But hockey, because of the, the uh, equipment factor and the pricing of a stick, who, who can afford? I used to buy my son a dozen sticks, you know, because I played for Sherbrooke and I was going able to go to Sherwood and get a dozen sticks for him. But one, one that doesn't cost me one would cost one stick today. So they're just pricing it out of the thing. What they and 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 what has to change, which I'm glad seeing incrementally, is a guy like uh, in in San Jose. I you know what I mean, being a GM, yeah. Mike Greer. So and there's you're starting to see a little bit in the ranking of coaching in NHL, which I'm very proud of. I'm starting to see in refereeing. More visibly, I'm very proud of that fact. So, Brian, uh, I'm going to wrap up here. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. We're proud to be working with Hockey Equality. Hockey Equality is on a mission to create diversity at all levels of the game of hockey by lowering financial barriers for BIPOC female and other equity-deserving youth hockey players. If you've been moved by the story shared on this podcast, and want to help make hockey accessible to all, check out hockeyequality.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to share this story with your kids, then check out My Hockey Hero. It's shorter and suitable for the whole family. You can click the link in the show notes or find it wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Podstarter production. production.